0: Stumbled on to The Sleeping Giant. Let's broaden our minds.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Sleeping Giant Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson parker Marcotte, and I'd like to say thank you for joining me once more. Things did take a slightly unexpected but no less exciting turn for this month's show, and I am stoked to get into the meat of it. I will be joined by none other than Hollywood Steve Spratling of the Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast, and we are going to be talking about the 2000 comic book adaptation of X-Men. Old Steve is super knowledgeable and sharp as the devil himself when it comes to comic book and film knowledge, so... I am, I'm actually quite proud of having coerced him onto the show. I didn't have to break any beer bottles or rattle any chains or anything, man. Uh, so that was really cool. Also, we've got another Patreon shout-out, and that's something I'm both proud of and grateful for. All y'all that have joined up to back me are the best, so don't forget that. And what the hell would this show be? How could it possibly be complete without a little Star Wars chat? So you can definitely count on that. Y'all go ahead and get comfy. We are about to begin. All right, y'all. So we're going to get rolling by talking about what I'm maybe more interested in or looking forward to the most regarding films and releases uh, that are coming, coming to us this year. Number one is The Batman from Matt Reeves. I'm really looking forward to that for a number of reasons. Big Batman fan. And, and I'll, I'll tell you a little secret while we're at it. I'm more of a fan of the films than I am the comics. Think of that however you will. Um, I I have a, a root uh, love, as it were, for Batman from some of the earlier stuff that I read when I was a kid. Um, and I'm sure that you've heard me speak before about the first Batman comics I ever read being Frank Miller and Alan Moore. So, I mean, the bar was set really fucking high for me right out of the gate. So um, those things I'll always love, and nothing ever really compared to those for me outside of of uh, the films. And I think that we're probably going to exclude the Schumacher stuff um, simply because, you know, in, in the, the Batman mythos, if they don't really jibe. Now if you want to say, hey, let's have a good time, let's uh, you know, get the Bat Tussie rolling, then, you know, well, I mean, fuck it, why don't you just put on the Batman from the 60s? But I mean, okay, updated, shiny, candy colored, fun, that's Joel Schumacher, and and I can appreciate that. And he's a fine director, uh, in you know, outside of the Batman universe. He's I mean, he's uh, done some very brilliant things. Uh, First thing comes to mind, obviously, is Lost Boys. Uh, Phone Booth was uh, an interesting film and and one of my uh, favorites that I saw when I was younger. But anyway, moving forward, um, yeah, so I'm more of a fan of the films, way bigger fan of the animated series, which is just amazing. And you kind of have that bleed over from Danny Elfman, who, of course, scored... uh, the the first two batman films so uh big fan of those obviously big fan of of christopher nolan and and what he did with the batman universe um so yeah bringing it back to the batman from uh from matt reeves i personally am pretty stoked about robert pattinson playing bruce wayne slash the batman um if you spend any time on the internet at all i'm sure you've already run the gamut of BS accusations and condemnation of them casting the guy from Twilight. Here's the thing. He's done other movies, and if you do bother to go out and watch those movies, you'll probably be impressed with his body of work. The same thing happened with Heath Ledger. I was actually on that bandwagon, I'm ashamed and embarrassed to say, but what I did was I went out and I rented every single Heath Ledger movie that I could get my hands on because I have a great appreciation and a great affinity for the character of Joker, and I wanted to know what this guy was bringing to the table. So I, I watched probably six or seven movies, and by the time I was done, I was sold, and, uh, I think that if you take the time to, um, explore Robert Pattinson as an actor and see what he's done outside of Twilight, I think that you'll be pleased. And keep in mind that as far as Twilight's concerned, they didn't really have a lot to work with. Um, you can't, what's the saying? You, you can only polish a turd to, to gleam so much. I, I, I don't know. You, you can't polish a turd. Maybe that's what they're saying. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm getting a little sidetracked here. I'm doing something different where I'm not reading from a script. I used to invest a lot of time into that, and it made production um, tedious, to say the least. But anyway, I'm I'm really excited for it. I think that Robert Pattinson is going to bring... He's going to bring something to this that we haven't seen before. I feel very confident in that. Um, We're also going to see aspects of Batman, according to Matt Reeves, that we haven't really gotten to appreciate and see on film. And that is the detective aspect of Batman. He's the world's greatest detective, and yet in these movies, we haven't really seen him use those skills. Um, I mean, there was a brief nod to it, of course, in The Dark Knight uh with the bullet forensics etc but that's that's not enough. Um I think we're going to see more of that as uh, as Matt Reeves has promised and I think that we're going to see an aspect of Batman that uh that we haven't seen before. So I'm really really excited about it. Not to mention the fact that unless I'm just totally making this up which I may very well be and I reserve the right to be mistaken, uh Andy Serkis is going to play the role of Alfred Pennyworth. Now, just think about that, if you will. Um, you know, this this version of Alfred and everything that we've seen uh, Andy Serkis in, I think that uh, this film is going to knock our socks off, honestly. I mean, we have gotten, the last images that we got were pretty good. They were not so detailed on the costume, but it was the Batman showcasing the atmosphere and the sort of, uh, noir aspect of, of what they're going for, and the showcase was the Batmobile, which looks awesome, um, it definitely looks more believable, uh, not that the tumbler wasn't believable, but, uh, I have, I can relate more to this, this incarnation of the Batmobile, because it looks like something that somebody, um, probably Alfred put a lot of time into, and, um, I'm really excited to see that. The remaining cast that has been announced is phenomenal. Uh, We have Colin Farrell as the Penguin. We have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. And Paul Dano as Riddler. Now, I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody, but all three of these people have done very unique and interesting things with some of the roles that they've played in the past Uh, Of course, Colin Farrell's no stranger to comic book characters, not that his portrayal of Bullseye was all that amazing. Um, Well, that's probably not fair to say. Daredevil was a terrible film, and uh, there probably aren't very many people that would disagree with that. So if you disagree, let me know, and we'll fight about it. Um, That's what the Internet's for, I think. Um, Paul Dano as Riddler, I think, is going to be is going to be awesome. Um, that guy has done some very off-kilter things. Um, so I think he's going to bring an intensity to to the Riddler in, uh, in this film. And I don't think he actually is named Edward Nigma. I think his name is Edward. And then there's another name that he's going by in this film. Now, the last thing that I saw Zoe Kravitz in was Fantastic Beasts. And, uh, and I was impressed with that. Uh, she, she has a, uh, a coolness that I really enjoy, and um, it's hard to look at her and not think about her fucking vampire of a father, old Lenny. Oh my god, that guy. He's, he's in his 50s, I believe, and he still looks very much like he's in his 20s. And, uh, you know, I, I was not sure at the time when he asked if I was going to go his way. But if that's where you end up when you do go his way, then I, uh, I'm i probably going to get on that. Um, but anyway, I think the Batman is going to be awesome. I, I don't really have any hopes for it, to be honest with you. I'm not super excited about any one particular thing. I just want to enjoy this movie. And that's, uh, and that's something that I think could be, could be possible. Moving along, in August of this year, we will get to experience our first taste of the Star Wars Project Luminous yield. The curtain was pulled back on Project Luminous earlier in February, and it was announced that the, the project is entitled The High Republic. So this is going to be interesting i think it's uh this era of of star wars that we're about to get into is set 200 years prior to the phantom menace so what we have is it's a multimedia project we're going to have novels we're going to have junior novels we're going to have comic books and who knows what else there's of course that rumored ea game and we'll see what that turns out to be Uh, perhaps it will tie into the high republic i don't know um but the release of this material is is planned to coincide with Star Wars Celebration Anaheim, which, again, I think is in August. So, yeah, 200 years before The Phantom Menace. That gives the creators a lot of breathing room, uh, a lot of space to play around in and create that won't necessarily run into previous established story or, or as the kids say, canon. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it, but... I'm going to go ahead and, and, and be honest. And I've shared this thought with some of you already that I'm just not, again, I don't really have hopes for it. I'm, I'm hanging my hopes up, I think, for, for a lot of things and a lot of different reasons. I think that I'm tired of projecting my expectations on things because you're almost invariably disappointed um, if you do that and and you expect too much from a film or from a story Um, But I think that the High Republic has a chance to be cohesive because it is a sort of uncharted, and I I mean in in film and in novels that are now canon, comic books, etc., in uncharted space. That's where we're at. So they can be cohesive. These writers can create in a way that won't step on itself, and there can be Hopefully not that much room for division, but then again, we are talking about Star Wars fans, so that's probably fucking inevitable as well. Um, anyway, the, uh, the, the first thing that I'm most excited about would be the novel Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. Um, folks, you've probably heard me say many, many times that I'm all about Charles Sewell. I think he gets Star Wars and, uh, in, if you're a talented writer and you get Star Wars, you have won the lottery, in my opinion, especially if your work is being published and, and uh, Marvel and Lucasfilm continuously give you the go-ahead to work um, on, their, on their IP. I think it's great. Um, the second thing I'm looking forward to is a novel called Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. She also gets Star Wars, and she has written some fine Star Wars novels, some I've read, some I have not um, Bloodline, I believe that was Claudia Gray, and it was really good. Across the Stars, I think it's called, or am I thinking of The Beatles? Um, that was a decent book, and I appreciated where they were going with it. Um, I think that seeing the the Empire and the rebellion on a human level from two people that uh, we're, we're dating or we're a couple and then they're separated, one on either side. It really adds a human element to being involved with either of those factions. And I think it's really cool. It kind of lifts the curtain on the propaganda, uh, propaganda, excuse me, on both sides. So again, I think that's going to be pretty sweet. Um, the YA novel that I mentioned is called A Test of Courage, and that's by Justine Ireland. Um, I don't think I'm familiar with her work but it's a YA book and uh, I will probably read it because a lot of YA books I find are really good and underrated. Uh, My wife just finished the Bartimaeus trilogy by Jonathan Stroud and it's it's young adult. Um, I think the rule for young adult pretty much is that the main character has to be of a certain age and if that's the case I think it's considered young adult. Uh, Obviously you know there are exceptions that prove that rule, but um, I think that's it for the most part. So I'm going to read that for sure. Um, the young adult novels from Star Wars that I have read, The Weapon of a Jedi, I believe, that was, and the uh, the novel that uh, that Greg Rucka did, I think, those uh, that that was also YA, and I, I really enjoyed it. Again, all very much Star Wars, and all very much appreciated by me. So. Fingers crossed, really hoping for that consistency. That's all I want. Um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I think the reason why the sequel trilogy sticks in my cross so much and just won't let me fully embrace it and love it is because it's not cohesive enough for me. Um, I think they're fun movies, I enjoy them. I've bought each one, and uh, I can't wait to get The Rise of Skywalker and watch all three of those back to back. But it's maybe it's the failed writer in me <laughs> that, that gets so bent out of shape um, that, uh, that there, there are these stories and there are these amazing talents working on these stories, and yet they can't seem to create a cohesive narrative. That really bugs me, because if I'm ever watching a film or reading a comic or, or a novel or whatever, and I'm in the midst of it, and I think, fuck, I can I could do so much better. Me, I could do so much better than this. And if I can do so much better than this, are are they? What what are they doing? How how are they possibly in the position that they're in if little me could do what they were doing but better? And I will certainly put my money where my mouth is. Um, I, if you want to give me a chance, I'll give it a go. Hey, I'm not opposed to that. Um, but but that's where it is. Um, it's just. I don't want to talk bad about them because there's enough negativity surrounding that fandom, but that's, it's just a personal opinion. And that's my taste in cinema and literature and comics. I need something cohesive. If it's too, if it's too all over the board and there's no structure or at least streamlined structure, I I get very upset and, uh, I just I can't process it. I can't let go of those threads that just seem loose. I just keep picking at them and I can't leave them alone. It's probably a curse. It's definitely a burden to simply being able to sit back and enjoy something, especially when it's something like Star Wars. And I think that's probably one of the other things that that uh, that just gets me so riled up is it's something that I love. It's a it's a series that I love. And I hate to not love something as purely as I love the original trilogy. Now, I had spoken to Luke about this and I sort of reached the conclusion that you know what, everybody's going to have their thing and and this of course doesn't it's not exclusive to Star Wars. Everybody's going to have their thing. And you know, I'm comfortable now acknowledging the fact that the original trilogy is my thing and uh, I will take it with me and love it and take care of it. The other stuff is fine, and to a degree, I enjoy it, but it, it doesn't hold the same place in my heart, and that's okay. That's totally okay. It's nothing to be upset about. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I know when I say that I don't care for certain aspects of the newer Star Wars stuff, there's usually a, yeah, but but don't you think? And I'm like, no, I, it's just my opinion, and it's it, it's not to my taste. I still enjoy it. I still think it's fun. I'm still certainly spending my money on it. So um, I, th- I think that says everything that you need to know. Um, but anyway, I think that The High Republic, if I had to place a small bet on it, uh, I, would, I would say that it's probably going to be very cool, very enjoyable. And Star Wars fans across the spectrum of fandom are probably going to find something in it that they like, whether that be the potential of a film or perhaps the new video game that they're working on is going to tie into Project Luminous, or, excuse me, The High Republic. Anything is possible, uh, but we'll see come August. I'm going to tell you right now that I will be in line whenever the bookstore opens to pick up uh, Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. So, um, quick mentions. The other two things that we're going to be seeing is uh, an IDW publication called High Republic Adventures, which seems to me is going to run along the way that uh, the Star Wars adventures do with um, with IDW. And those are really fun. If you haven't checked those out, I strongly recommend it. Uh, every Halloween, or at least for the past two years, they've been doing these anthology books that, that focus on some of the spookier aspects of Star Wars, and it's called Vader's Castle. If you haven't read that or you haven't seen it, I strongly advise it uh, advise you to check it out. Um, so yeah, there's still good stuff out there, obviously. And, uh, sometimes you just got a bitch to get it off, but you know, like once, once you've gotten it off your chest, let it go, man, let it go. Just leave Twitter alone. You know, they've, they've got enough going on. Uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that's about, about all I had to say about that. If my podcast were a delicious deli sandwich, I think the first several minutes would likely be some tasty full wheat bread with maybe a hint of thinly spread deli mustard and a thick slab of gouda cheese, I think. And uh, the next bit that uh, is coming up here would serve as the sweet, sweet meat. Um, Actually... Come to think of it, I'm probably just really hungry, uh, being as it's the middle of the day. We just got out of a movie, haven't really had much to snack on. A sandwich from the Publix Deli would, would really do me right, I think. Uh, but, you know, hunger pangs and dumbass metaphors aside, I am incredibly excited and honored to share with you all a conversation that I had with my guest, Mr. Hollywood Stephen Spratling of the Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast. In addition to being an avid fan of and expert on horror films, Steve's also got a penchant for them funny books. Now, I'd initially wanted to spend some time talking about films that made a significant impact on me in my formative years. And I recently had the horrifying epiphany that this first X-Men film, uh, it came out over 20 years ago. Yeah, chew on that. Um, oh my God, um, I remember. Now this was back before I was one of them internet kids. Um, I was riding around in a van with a couple friends of mine who were one, of, two of them internet kids, I should say. Um, but this was before I really got into following movie news and you know obsessing over the stuff. I think I read Wizard magazine in addition to the comics that I was picking up and. Maybe I just missed the issue where they were talking about X-Men. I don't know. But we were out and about. It was midnight. And we came up on the theater. And we, were, we didn't have anything to do. Um, you know, we were riding around doing the kind of stuff that underage kids do when they're uh, out at midnight, I guess. And we swung by the movie theater that was in town. And they had a, a 12 o'clock midnight showing of X-Men. So we were like, get the fuck out. X-Men. Hell yeah. Let's, uh, let's drop in and check this thing out. And man... It blew me away. It was so cool. I it it was something that I needed and didn't know that I needed. Um, so that was that was really fun and exciting. And that's one of those things that will always stick with me. And I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, so being as that it does actually fall into that category of of films that I watched in my formative years, we actually won't be breaking my goal or falling short of that goal in 2020. With this episode, so without further delay, I present to you my X Men conversation with Hollywood Steve. Enjoy, Steve. Are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Awesome. How the hell are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I am pretty well. Uh, just uh, trying to recuperate from uh, another thrilling day at the day job, killing oh, yeah? bugs and squashing rats, or maybe reverse that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. It. it can be uh (laughs) pest pest management is is something else let me tell you yeah but uh but yes so thank you for for taking the time to join me on the sleeping giant podcast i really appreciate it
0: yeah no problem hey any chance to get to talk about x-men i'm there yeah it's
1: (laughs) yeah so uh for for our listeners I am talking to Mr. Hollywood Steve Spratling. That's me, hey. Yeah, from the Dead and Lovely Horror Podcast. Now, do do you prefer I call you Hollywood or, or Mr. Steve, Mr. Spratling?
0: <laughs> no, don't call me Mr. Um, yeah, you just call me Steve. That's
1: fine. Okay, great. Well, I've uh, I've been a big fan of, of Dead and Lovely for a while now. I love awesome. horror movies. Yeah. They seem to be this kind of thing that you just find yourself watching. Yes. One day almost exclusively.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it started with, uh, it started for me when I was uh, a young kid uh, watching them with with my cousins when we would rent them at the video store. And uh, yeah, it does. It just happens one day when you're like, oh, that that seems to be all I do.
1: So, I guess at that point, you just decide that, I mean, why not make a podcast?
0: Yeah, well, Ben and I had been wanting to make a podcast for a long time, and uh, we didn't really know what our subject would be, and then Ben started getting into horror movies, which he um, famously had not really watched growing up, because he grew up, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. a little bit uh, sheltered, and uh, so he had been getting into it, and we decided, you know, that's a great subject. I love him. He loves him. Here we are. What's your favorite horror movie? <laughs> favorite overall is it's either Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Shining. I think it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, probably.
1: Those are two really good ones. Yeah. I, uh, I would, I would lean very heavily towards The Shining. Yeah, it's great. Um, as long as you kind of crowbar separate the film from the book, they're right. two completely, completely <laughs> Way different, different things. Yeah, but it's an immaculate film. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. I don't, I don't think anyone can uh, can question that. I, I actually had I guessed it on a friend of mine. Uh, his his podcast. He doesn't do it anymore, unfortunately. Oh, um, but it, uh, he had had a Star Wars podcast for a while, and he kind of backed out of that when. The fandom went batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember that. So, so, but then, you know, he still wanted a podcast and he had a, a sort of a pop culture oriented podcast. And we did one on The Shining, which was really cool. He lives in the UK. And I, uh. I think there was a gentleman from Canada as well. And it was oh, like that's fun. International shindig. <laughs> uh-huh. um, we were talking about The Shining and it was a really good conversation. I learned a lot about that film. That uh, that I hadn't known previously. Yeah, but, there's you
0: know, that, that was that's a deep film. There's so much there.
1: Well, there, that's one of the reasons I love doing this too, because everybody kind of brings something a little different to the table. Yeah. Uh, as far as their interpretation of a film or, or what they thought of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I that The Shining is a film that I I never even really put too much thought into really interpreting. When mm. I watched it as as a, a teen, it was it was really just about the the fear. But then, right. yeah, as I got older, you start seeing so much in it. There's so much to really pick yeah. apart. It's it's the a great visual film,
1: language. It, the visual language is astounding. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but this is uh, this is not a horror podcast, so we won't yeah. go too far <laughs> into that. Um, although it's possible we could do The Shining uh, at some point. Sure, go for oh, it. We're going to talk about X-Men awesome. tonight. The 2000 film mm-hmm. uh, from Fox. How long has it been since you've seen that movie?
0: It's been a little while. I, I did go back and watch um, all of the X-Men movies maybe six or seven years ago. So it, it's mm-hmm. probably been about that long since i had seen it. And uh, I I was happy to get back to it. It really, like I think as a film, still holds up.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. I, I'll, I'm going to tell you this before we get started. I and this kind—it's of, kind of what spurred me into wanting to do this movie so quickly. I watched the trailer because uh-huh. my daughter expressed some interest in maybe watching X Men with me. So, foolishly, I pulled up the trailer uh-huh. from 2000, and it was awful. <laughs>
0: yeah, trailers just, especially in the early 2000s, were so awful. And yeah, really it, just sold a lot of movies out. Like, they really made a lot of movies look <laughs>
1: terrible. It's, it's, uh, gosh, what was the one, uh, that you guys did that I listened to? Uh, oh, went shit. back and watched the trailer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ravenous. Ravenous. Yeah. The yes. trailer
0: makes that look like a comedy. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is
1: this? <laughs> I showed it to my wife and she was like, I don't want to watch that.
0: I know. And then you see the movie and it's
1: nothing like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the case with X-Men. It just looked terrible. Um, you know, just like all the words flashing on the screen, sort of yeah. the, the cheesy techno music. Mm-hmm. It was, it was <laughs> just bad. Um, but I, I was like, you know what? I should do this. And uh, I'd like to reach out to somebody who, who is a Marvel fan or yeah. possibly an X-Men fan. And, yeah, both. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there, there you are. So uh, let's just uh, jump right into this thing. You want to? Sweet. Yep. Okay, so if you aren't familiar with the X-Men at this point, you probably um, should just stop listening to this podcast altogether, I Right, I've yeah. only talked about All the spoilers, X-Men. All spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah. I've only talked about X-Men at least once in pretty much every episode. Um, <laughs> so the start of this movie is pretty intense. Um, it begins in 1944, Poland. Right, uh, and you very much get the impression that we are in a concentration camp specifically right. we're in Auschwitz i believe yeah too little too late i guess we couldn't quite make it to that warsaw uprising um, right yeah but,
0: it's, uh, a, it's it's a, it is a brutal scene for sure that it, it's uh, it, it, it it's very affecting still like it, it's yeah. not cheesy it's not over the
1: top no, it, yeah. it isn't, and you, would, you wouldn't you uh, would be too far off the mark if you began to wonder if you were actually watching a comic book movie or a superhero film. Right. Um, but the situation is that out of all the people that we see, those with guns, those without guns, those with the gold star uh, emblazoned on their chest, we focus yeah. on one group, and that is uh, presumably Eric Lyncher and his yeah. parents, and, and they are very... Uh, violently separated from one another and eric loses his shit yeah and his mutant power kicks in as as we know it's usually in times of great stress yeah, the stress is what sort pu- of puberty. excites it yeah puberty
0: of course i mean yeah it does seem to be uh just mutant in general seems to be an allegory in some ways for puberty itself but yeah it's just these, these big stressful moments that suddenly these powers also hit and yeah it Uh, It seems to surprise him, but also doesn't stop him from continuing to do it. (laughs) It's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: It sort of seems to be effective in some kind of way. It keeps him from being moved further away from his parents. Right. Um, So obviously that's Magneto and he exerts Mm -hmm. his power of magnetism. But, you know, before we really move on, I want to talk a little bit more about this scene and how effective and affecting it is because when you start talking about X-Men and you start talking about mutants, you know, there is a lot of of allegory, as you said. Right. And there are a lot of instances that are reflected in these comics and now, of course, these movies uh, where we see the marginalization and the sort of uh, separation of the other from from quote-unquote normality. And... To me, that's the biggest part of the X Men. Yes. Um, yeah. It, if you're, if you, if you are an X Men fan, and you somehow manage to still be a short sighted dude, bro, like I don't. Right. <laughs>
0: I, I don't, don't know how that gave. works. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I literally cannot understand yeah, that. Yeah. That seems impossible. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, it it, exists. They, it was
0: originally about uh racial relations and uh, about, you know, how the these people are very much just like every other human and something that they can't control makes them slightly different. And, right. and so yeah, yeah, in the 60s when this came out, this was really it was about race rela- relations and about acceptance and things like that and that's where you Mm -hmm. you have your two main uh camps that are your professor x and magneto which is essentially martin luther king and malcolm x right i was just about to ask you if you had ever heard that comparison yeah yeah definitely Uh, that and and it's apt it's an apt comparison because it does seem like that is exactly what they're going for they're going for the
1: peaceful solution and the war solution right yeah i i think that's I think that's clear, um, because the next scene that we get into is uh, in Washington, kind of moving right off the tail of Nazi-occupied Poland. Uh We're in Washington, D.C., and we're talking about the Mutant Registration Act. Yes. And Jean Grey is speaking to the Senate, um, which is, uh, I guess, being coerced or spearheaded by... uh, senator kelly yeah um who's a real that, dirtbag uh, he yeah he yeah. really sucks and he really plays that up too. i can't remember the actor's name uh yeah um, he's familiar though he's done a lot yeah, of stuff yeah i think the last thing i saw him in was uh da, 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 rob zombies lords of salem oh he yeah was, he wasn't uh, that yeah, I know. It kind of blew my mind. But uh, yeah, he plays that character so well. Um, just sort of that slimy, despicable mm-hmm. yes. white boy politician. Uh huh. Who um, who's really unfeeling
0: and unempathetic with the other side and just trying to stoke fear mostly. Exactly. Yeah. It
1: reminds me a lot of the people I grew up with. Right. Um, or around, I should <laughs> yeah. say. Um, being a good old Southern boy myself. Uh-huh. Same. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> grew up so, in that same um, stuff. So this is really important. We're talking about the registration of mutants, and Kelly is pushing this idea that uh, mutants have to register themselves uh, so that the government essentially knows who they are, where they live, what their powers are, and mm-hmm. can keep tabs on them at any point in time. Yes. And, and right off the bat, that's fucked up. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, uh,
0: having to register as existing. Like, look, I exist. Right. Here I am and and here's a target. Just toss that on me. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's an insane idea uh, that always for some reason when people start stoking fears, people just immediately accept. Like people will immediately accept, "Well, yeah, we need to register those people. We need to know where they are. We need to be able to right. like easily find them." and people don't see how that could
1: easily be a negative especially exactly. with the fear being stoked exactly i think he even mentions that there's a little girl in another state that can walk through walls and yeah. what's to stop her from walking into a bank vault exactly <laughs> and, like my first thought was why the fuck would she want to walk into a bank yeah fault? what's she going to do in there like, yeah people aren't born criminal and out <laughs> to uh, and out to hurt other people and you know yeah uh, bugger their industry. That's for not real. really how people work. <laughs> but but anyway, um, so it's it's at this moment that we're introduced to the character, of Dr. Jean Grey, and you kind of get the sense that she's obviously not a proponent of uh, this registration act. And sort of in the background, you notice that there are these other two characters you have. Professor Xavier, who's obviously Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think fans were lobbying for Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah, and perfect. him absolutely mm-hmm. perfect casting
0: like nobody uh, would ever deny
1: that patrick stewart is the perfect <laughs> professor Xavier. not at all yeah. and uh and when i saw this i did not have uh a grasp of really who because uh, i this this was probably around the time where it was like i had the movies that i really liked growing up but I hadn't uh-huh. really become like a movie guy yet. Right. And so I had no grasp on who uh, Ian McKellen is, or Sir Ian McKellen, I should right.
0: say. I, also, I also didn't know him when this came out because it was two years before Lord of the Rings. So, yeah, uh, I, I just knew him as Magneto by the
1: time Lord of the Rings came out. Like, oh, there's Magneto. <laughs> So and, and I mentioned this because in in reading about this movie a little bit, I found that uh, Brian Singer had worked with him previously, an apt pupil. Oh right. I guess coincidentally, he was a Nazi in that film. Yes, he was. But yeah. you know, Ian McKellen being a gay male and an activist, uh-huh. and sort of belonging to that group, right? You know, that that would be other. I think that he's a great actor. Number one, yes, Ian um, McKellen. Yeah, but absolutely. But I think you've got the power behind it yeah as well you know i feel like he was really selling magnus lyncher eric magnus yeah. lyncher and yeah. really into that character because he understands you know,
0: being the other yeah exactly and so he understands I, I that like, rage too that you can have right
1: yes yes so that really is um i was trying to think like what is this movie about like what what series is it based on what arcs were was it based on And I haven't really been able to find anything specific. So that's the stage that's set. I think that's really uh, the essential story that we're telling here. Right. Is, you know, you have this situation where people are being dehumanized. uh, And then you introduce a character like Magneto, who has experienced this already. Yeah, he knows.
0: And and seeing it a second time, uh, like, reasserts. His distrust of humanity, exactly. Like if I they'll mean, do it a second time, that means it'll never stop. So we need exactly. a, a solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like you were gonna say final. I was, solution I was gonna a say a final solution, and then I was like accusing hmm. a Jewish character of using Hitler's ideas. Ugh. But but that is kind of it. The, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's the tragic irony of yeah. Magneto. Mm-hmm. Um, makes him a very compelling character. Can you tell I love Magneto? I do too, um, actually. That like. <laughs> He's, he is one of my favorite
0: characters because he's the most complex. He's, he's the one who he, like, Professor Xavier's, like, calmness and rationality and belief that things will all work out comes from the fact that he was born rich and raised rich. Right, exactly. And uh, And Eric has had the trauma. He knows the evil of humanity. So, like, they're both coming from a different experience. And I understand Magneto far better than I understand Xavier. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. I I can definitely identify with that. Yeah. Um. So we kind of have this setup where the stage is set, and I think they do a really good job of setting that stage. Yeah. Um. Because right right after that, we uh we get to uh, where do we go? I think we go to Mississippi. Yeah, uh, we meet, meet Rogue, Rogue. Mm-hmm. Marie. Hey,
0: She tells us about. How she's gonna go from Niagara Falls to the Canadian Rockies, and hmm. I was very confused by that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's there's... a far trip you
1: got, Flynn. Yeah, and I hope that it's not going to be on foot. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> um, she seemed well, to I mean, skip Niagara. <laughs> I give her props for reaching. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that it's really cool. And and after watching this, and now that we're really having this conversation. Uh, it kind of reinforces the opinion that I had that this is actually a very solid film as far yeah. as its narrative is concerned. It is. And the way that each scene builds sort of uh-huh. uh, naturally. Yeah. Um, the exposition is natural, and, and one scene informs the mm-hmm. previous scene. It does. Pretty well.
0: I, I would say like yeah. throughout this film, I never got bored, and I never really felt that there were scenes that shouldn't be here. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, it, it tells a story effectively. Like, even if you don't know X-Men, this story makes sense. Like, there are, right. you know, a few in-jokes and things, but mostly it's just telling a pretty simple story and being like, oh, these characters also have powers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And doing a good job at it. Yeah. Um, I, I think this was Brian Singer that did this one, and then mm-hmm. I think Brett Ratner was involved, but both of whom are have come out to be pretty amazing shit bags. Yeah, um, Brian Singer. Is, <laughs> oh boy.
0: But yeah, Singer. Brian uh, Singer, he he really like he made X-Men and X2 the great comic book movies that they are cuz he did he does like love comic books. So yeah. that that's why you get in, throughout this movie so many shots that look like comic book panels and and just like the use of color and stuff at times is very yeah. comic booky.
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, he knows what he's doing. And yeah, knows what I, he's I know doing for sure. I've heard you guys talk about that before. It's sometimes difficult to separate someone's oh, yeah. work from their from personal what a life. D- douchebag they are, and shithead <laughs> they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, in this in this particular case, and speaking of. Of of rogue, we, we get her. You're speaking of puberty, I should say. We kind of have a situation where she's with her boyfriend, uh huh, um, and they get a little hot and heavy, and her yeah, power kicks and that in.
0: excites the powers basically.
1: And, and then, she uh, absorbs his his uh, his life force, puts yeah. him into a coma, as she says, and then she flips out and runs away to Canada, uh, like you uh, which, do, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that was her plan. Uh huh. Um, so let me ask you before we go forward. What did you think of the rogue that we got? In, oh, Anna in the first X-Men?
0: <laughs> Um Well, she she's not Louisiana at all, but I think she does a really great job of um, being um, a sympathetic character and also right. uh, being tough. But she's not as as tough as you expect Rogue to be. She's a, she's a right. very vul- vulnerable. But I think a lot of that was meant to build logan's character like it was right yeah like to show us that because like what a a lot of people know about wolverine is that he's he's gruff sort of asshole character but i mean in reality in the comics he's he's also this avuncular character who tends to adopt young uh female mutants and and help them get through like tough situations and tough times in their life yeah
1: she was the the Kitty Pride, yeah, of This uh, exactly of the, of yeah. the film, yeah. Um, which I I'm kind of curious. I I think that it works very well for the movie, and I'm I'm wondering though. I, I wish I could have been part of the conversation, or at least been in on the conversation when they decided to put Rogue in the film. Yeah, but minus minus the uh, Miss Marvel power, right? Yeah, he's yeah. Without the flight, why? Like why? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. I mean, she's in a suit, but like, what does she do? Yeah, (laughs) she'd have
0: to get close enough to everybody to touch them to actually
1: be able to do anything. Yeah. So I, I was always wondering if that was meant to be a story that they touched on in later films. Hmm.
0: Um, I know that this the original screenplay of this was much larger, like it had Beast and Nightcrawler, and probably like did have some more room for that. But to make her fly would have cost more money, and they just didn't oh, have it yeah. in the budget. Yeah,
1: budgetary decisions always right. <laughs> always exactly. comes down to the bean count. Yeah, <laughs> um, so she's in Canada, and we meet. The baddest of baddest motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine. Now, <laughs> Love I'm going to go ahead and tell you that this is my, I think this is probably my favorite scene okay. in the movie. Him just fighting. because, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it and it's not so much that it's Wolverine so much as the way that, that the shots are framed. Uh-huh. When you first see him, you know, you've got the dinginess of the bar, the cage. Yeah. Uh, in between fights, you know, he's got that stogie and he's doing mm-hmm. shots of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. it just looks, and you know it's Wolverine because right. he's got the hair and you just, I don't know, I'm kind and of flashing back to what And the thing is, if you don't
0: know it's Wolverine, it also sets up for you who Wolverine is. You're like, oh, oh he's yeah. a badass
1: motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't hit him in the ball. Right. <laughs> I thought you said anything <laughs> goes. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. it's
0: a it, it's a real great effective moment uh, and also introduces us to the I think probably other than Robert Downey Jr., the embodiment of a role that actually changed mm-hmm. the character <laughs> a little bit like yeah. cuz uh, Hugh Jackman's not short. Wolverine's actually like 5'3 or 5'4 or something. Yeah, Yeah. he's tiny. Hugh Jackman in this isn't actually as jacked up as he is in the future movie. So he's he's a little bit more of a wiry Wolverine, but he's still, you know, dense, strong, full of that metal. Mm -hmm. I I really just, uh, it introduced us to Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and now we'll like never look the same at Wolverine. Like anybody who tries to play him. It'll be compared to <laughs> this guy who did it for like 15 years.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think and on that point, I think that they can come away winning if the MCU does introduce X-Men yeah. and Wolverine specifically. Um, I think if they just replicate what they did with this movie, they'll probably be fine. Cause yeah. there's all this talk sure. about like Henry Cavill being. Oh, uh, I can see and, that. I can totally that. see that. Yeah. But just grab another guy who's relatively unknown. I mean, Hugh Jackman yeah. had some success. That's um, true. On he television, wasn't, I think he wasn't huge at this point. Yeah. No, he he had had some I, actually fairly large success on. Uh, I think he was in Oklahoma, um, <laughs> right. and I think there was a film version of that. But you know, and I think that he was the lead. You know, forgive my uh, my my uh, lack of cultural knowledge. Um, <laughs> I, I, Curly, Curly was the name of the character that he played him. And, um, I think he did very well with that, but they, so they snapped him up. Yeah. But prior to that, I had no idea who Hugh Jackman was. So yeah, and that's what the I MCU
0: is is really good at bringing in people who you don't really know, and it just being perfect, like Tom yeah. Holland, for instance, oh, yeah. with, with Spider Man. But like, yeah, just they can also bring in some people you do know, and now they're in a different sort of light. But they, I think they'll do it right. I'm just, mm-hmm. it's always going to be Hugh Jackman in my
1: mind. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Who are we kidding? Yeah. <laughs> but, so, but uh, uh, and you have this, the situation and, and this is sort of what I meant before when I said that, uh, each scene kind of informs the uh, the next scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the television plays a large part and it sort yes. of sets up and advertises the UN summit uh-huh. and, uh, how it will be one of the largest gatherings of world leaders and, uh, mutant registration is like number one on the agenda. Um, so as we're going scene by scene and meeting these new characters, this is something that's sort of always in the background. Yeah, which I think is really
0: cool. Yeah, it's a and smart way to get exposition out, uh, radio or TV. As long as it's not too obtrusive, it, it uh, you can get a lot of necessary information out without having to have like try to force it into dialogue. Like mm-hmm. we yeah. could have a scene where Wolverine and Storm are like, "But what about the UN meeting?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And then it would actually be like a comic book. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> but uh, this this is taking place, uh, Rogue sort of is in the same vicinity mm-hmm. as Logan at this point. Yeah. And uh, so she stows away in his truck, actually, um, after he's ejected from the bar right. for reve- revealing himself as a mutant to... Yeah. Uh, to and some pricks who were going to jack him up anyway.
0: And Rogue thinks she saved him uh, because you know he didn't get
1: stabbed, though it wouldn't right. have mattered, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so so she stows away. She's discovered. Um, Wolverine ejects her pretty uh-huh. quickly, but then has his change of heart. Um, yeah, because he's a genuinely are... good guy. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Logan. So, there's uh, this scene uh, as they're sort of getting to know one another. Um, the The truck is is stalled out, or rather it hits a, a what looks like a tree that's just been uh, mm-hmm. uh, cut in two. And that's when they're jumped by Sabretooth. Yes. Um, which is pretty cool because anyone who follows the comics or even mm-hmm. knows remotely about Wolverine, you know, Sabretooth is kind of his, yeah, or at least at that point, his arch nemesis. Yeah. Um, so that was super cool to see. T- this giant guy, Tyler, Tyler maine yeah, who plays uh, uh, in the
0: Rob Zombie Halloween. He's Michael Myers, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah very intimidating Michael yes. Myers. Uh, very just all around intimidating looking fellow he is. Um, but uh, this is where we get our first look at the X Men because they they show up and sort of save the day. Uh, it's uh-huh. Cyclops and Rogue, right? Um, James Marsden
0: uh, as yes. Cyclops. I, James Marsden, because he played Cyclops and because Cyclops is just that he's just, you know, a boy scout in right. these movies. I mean, in the comics, he's a lot more complicated, but in, in the movies, he's pretty much just a boy scout but James Marsden, because his eyes are always covered. And because he was playing this role was kind of typecast as this sort of boring mm-hmm. guy for a while. I think it was 30 rock that maybe turned it around where people saw like, Oh, he's like genuinely funny. And he started getting more comedic roles, but for a while it was just James Marsden was like as beige as it could be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm glad you said that about Cyclops. Actually. I yeah. I just came off of reading the entire sixties run of X-Men. Oh yeah. Um, so like I literally just wrapped that up a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Um, and of course I'm familiar with some of the stuff from the seventies uh, with Claremont. Yeah. But, but having read these now, like I'm, I'm gonna go on record and say this: Cyclops is actually pretty cool. Yeah, he is really um, cool. His
0: backstory is cool. His uh, yes. relationship with Havoc is great. It's he's an
1: interesting character. There are reasons why, on at first blush, he seems kind of like a dick, right? Um, but uh, but with that said, this we get to a point in the movie that I'm confused, and uh-huh. maybe maybe you can elucidate me. Okay. Okay. So. How did they know to show up where they showed up? I I assumed initially yeah that they used Cerebro right like in the older comics when mutants would pop up you know they'd uh, use Cerebro yeah. and um and go check them out mm-hmm. but I can't I can't see why they ended up in Canada with Logan. And, yeah, and Rogue. I don't know that they ever say for sure. My assumption was
0: the same as yours, but I mean, thinking about it now, it's possible that they are, you know, uh, keeping track of Magneto and know that he's interested in her. But again, the movie doesn't tell us that for sure. Yeah, yeah. and
1: that's that's the conclusion that I came to also. Because they're pretty explicit about that yeah. later on in the film, but then I was like, "Well, how did Magneto know about her?" That's a good um, question. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, eh, "Well, fuck it." Do they? I mean, do yeah. they
0: like have subscriptions to every local newspaper and like in Louisiana? Right. Like they were reading the right. Picayune and they were like, "Oh, what's this? Lady touched a guy and uh, he fainted. Probably should check that I mean, out."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. But uh, truth be told, that's the only like. I, and I don't want to say flaw even because maybe yeah. there's something there that I missed. Yeah. Maybe there's a deleted was,
0: scene or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's the only thing that I could find that I like have any any issue with whatsoever. Yeah. With, with yeah. It's why, it's why, um, what why
0: the inciting incident happened. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. So
1: uh things move pretty rapidly at this point. They this is again. A whole lot of still, stuff's happening. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it was a pretty Smart decision to make Wolverine our point man mm-hmm. because he, you know, he's he's the fish out of water. He yeah, gets, he's disconnected he gets, uh, from all of this. Exactly, yeah. he has no idea what's going on and who these people are. So that's when some of the talking makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. He you has know. to be told. Yeah, uh yeah, we get Xavier telling him, like
0: you know, why he's in the school, etc. What yeah. the school is, and uh, yeah, it helps it helps people who don't know X Men. To get a sense of what this story is. And it does it really efficiently and effectively. Because the X-Men is actually a pretty simple setup. Right. School for mutants. There are some people yep. that are
1: mutated. There's a school for them. Done. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so so we're, we're at the school now. We're at the mansion. Uh, and, and we've officially met the X-Men. Which mm-hmm. um, so I love that scene. I, I really yeah. did. Yeah. Um, Let's see we have Cyclops, Storm. Uh-huh. What do they call you wheels <laughs> <laughs> wheels. yeah, I like that. It's a good joke. <laughs> I mean, it's cheesy,
0: but yeah you know, it's not nice. it's a good joke. yeah uh, I, I, um, I I like you know, um, I love Famke Jensen as Jean Gray. like, mm-hmm. uh, everyone who's played her since has been fine, but uh, I don't know why. I, I really whenever I think of comic book Jean Gray, if she were a human, it's Famke Jensen. Mm-hmm. So I like these early X Men movie kind of set a lot of my expectations for the yeah. characters. I think.
1: I think you're right. I, I feel the same way because when I was looking at some photo stills earlier, and uh, and I saw her as Jean through the other movies, I was like, you know, she actually didn't make like a huge impression on me as a character. Yeah. I was like, why? But why do I feel so attached? I know. Like to it's this crazy. person is like because I was seventeen when I saw it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's a badass in X Two. There's, I mean, in one scene in particular, I don't know that she does a whole lot throughout the movie, but then, you know, at the end, but if you haven't seen X2, I won't spoil
1: it for you, but she's, (laughs) she's pretty integral. Yeah. Um, so we have, a an interesting, uh, I guess, side story or, uh, or I don't know if it's, if it's small enough that you could call it a B story, but, uh, we have Magneto and the mm. Brotherhood of Mutants, which right. thankfully they dropped the evil from. from yes. that, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that, is, w- that would not have worked.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense why the people who are claiming to have uh, a viable alternative solution uh, would also call themselves evil. <laughs> yeah,
1: doesn't uh, doesn't look good. Um, they have. Uh, a cave and this is the other thing actually i lied there are two things okay there's this ca- there's this yeah, the cave. cave right it's like where what the fuck is this place like, right it's it's like your quintessential villain lair right you and know, i like, don't i
0: mean magneto's had his villain lairs but not in a cave like right one in space or you know genosha it would have made sense if it was genosha
1: that's true yeah because they do seem to be like on an island, or at least, right, you know, some sort of coastal place. Because there's that cliff with the waves below. Uh uh-huh. um, But it, it but, is uh, just a. It does just seem to be basically a rock in the middle of the ocean. Like nothing else is yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, shit, it might be. <laughs> they kidnap Senator Kelly, uh-huh. um, and dur- during that kidnapping, we we're introduced to Mystique. Yes. Which. Rebecca. When remained? I first saw that, yes, yes. I saw that seventeen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like. She's great, yeah.
0: She's a hot Um, lady. Uh, And that uh, taking names, yeah. That uh, the the paint on suit and everything. Yeah, I remember the same. And uh, it's that also defined exactly how they made Jennifer Lawrence look in the future films, because like Mystique doesn't necessarily have to look like that. Uh, That's just how it comes across in this film. But uh, they they kept
1: with it for Jennifer Lawrence, and yeah.
0: Uh, more power to <laughs> Yeah,
1: it. I well, there was that, and you know, I of, of course that made an impression on me. But yeah. also, I had never seen anything quite like that. Yeah, before. it is odd. It's very strange. Um, so that was that was an impressive thing to see. And uh, I actually had uh, Stephen E. Gordon on the show not terribly long ago, oh, yeah. and he told me that um that originally when they were doing X Men Evolution, they eventually settled on the sort of traditional blue and white. Right. Um, with the white outfit. But he was uh-huh. like, Yeah, we were we were totally gonna do a nude, kind of like and Oh wow. and uh, X-Men and, and they that would like, no I
0: mean X-Men Evolution was already pretty popular. I think that might have changed. That might have yeah. upped the ratings a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, and with his character design it would have looked really cool, but yeah. I mean I can also kind of understand why Oh they yeah. would say that was no that was
0: that was uh for tweens and teens, not yeah,
1: not adults. But uh, so yeah they commandeer her and toad commandeer the copter with Senator Kelly mm-hmm. and they go back to the uh, the rock in the water and uh, so Magneto's got this scheme where he's attempting to mutate non non mutate yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there was actually a part. And I was looking for the right word because there was actually a part in uh, later on in the film. Yeah. where I know what Xavier, you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where he, he says, says regular says people. And, yeah. And I was like, wait, no, he would not say yeah, that. Yeah. He wouldn't call it that. <laughs> yeah. Xavier would be way more exact in his language. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I almost made the same flub. <laughs> um, but uh, I am but human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he wants to advance. A mutation onto non-mutates and uh, his plan I guess is to um, basically force this mutation on people so that there's no differentiation between uh, mutates and, and non-mutates everybody yep. will be a mutant so then there will be no reason yeah to uh, for people to to not get along which I mean if he knows people he should also know that it doesn't fucking matter right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'd
0: find a new way to not get <laughs> yeah. along yeah Uh, Yeah, that's his shtick. It's a I mean, it's a a solid plan. uh, If if you think that people are immediately going to react as, oh, okay, I'm a mutant now. I guess I have to accept other mutants, but they're not going to. They're going to be like, what the fuck? Mutants did this to me. I'm angry at them.
1: Yeah, especially if you turn into the hideous jelly man. Right, uh, seriously, like, you don't even know,
0: like, he doesn't, he can't, like, direct what the mutation's gonna be, so the mutation could be completely inconvenient, or destroy your life. Like, you know, thanks, Magneto. It was
1: was convenient in the sense that he was able to escape his cell. Right, Um, that did help. (laughs) And uh, so he actually, so he escapes, and washes up on a beach, and uh, sort of... Gets to experience people gawking at him, right? Because um, he's you know completely devoid of clothing. And I don't know if you noticed this, um, but I guess way back in the day when Stan Lee was doing his cameos, there weren't you know he didn't have speaking parts. Um, oh, but he was on the he was on the beach huh. uh, at the hot dog. I didn't cart. notice that. Yeah, you're just looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but, but he's there, and it's uh, it's really cool. I was glad to see him. Anytime cool. I see Stanley, yeah, I just I get awesome. really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the situation here, that we've sort of established what, what Magneto and the Brotherhood of Mutants are going to do, or at least we get a, a glimpse into their plan of, uh, of, of what they're going to do. Um, so Mystique, I guess to further complicate things, she actually infiltrates the school, right? And uh, there was an incident. I think uh, who did she touch? Was it?
0: Uh, uh, she went to wake up Wolverine when he's having a nightmare. Uh, and yeah. He
1: accidentally
0: stabbed her with his claws, and then she touches him, which heals her. But of course, everybody's like, right.
1: "What?" <laughs> yeah, that sh- shouldn't have been all that shocking. No, yeah, it's um, like
0: you're all mutants. Like, oh, that's what yeah. she guys like. No, up to this point, she hasn't done anything. Yeah. Like, now
1: she shows her mutant power they're like fucking freak
0: what the hell well,
1: i mean she did get stabbed i guess people don't routinely get stabbed that is a good uh, point at the school for gifted but youngsters because that- it's a pretty chill place
0: they give her like a real wide berth though like it seems like the moment to be like are you okay instead of being like oh whoa what the hell don't touch me <laughs> right
1: yeah <laughs> that is used to the baddies' advantage. Yes, it is, um, yeah. because Mystique infiltrates the school, poses as Bobby. Uh-huh. Who we kind of feel like maybe Rogue's getting a little sweet on. Yeah, um and then uh, and then she poses as Bobby and, and basically says that mm-hmm. she needs to get the fuck out of there because mm-hmm. everyone's mad at her and this isn't the place for that and she just needs to hit the road.
0: And this is before um, Iceman uh, was gay. Because in the comics right. now he's he's gay, uh, so I I would imagine if Brian Singer knew that he would have probably written a different story for it. I yeah, guess he didn't he didn't so. write it though, and it, a ton of people worked on writing this. Uh it's yeah. it's, uh, it's get the credit is to David Hayter, aka the voice of Solid Snake, but like something like twenty other people
1: did passes yeah. on it. Even Joss Whedon had even Joss a Whedon? go yeah. at it, uh-huh. which I think I I think I know maybe which scenes they kept or at least which lines of dialogue. Yeah, there are some that are um, Joss Whedon-y, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I mean I could be totally wrong, um, but <laughs> I would I would place a small amount of money on it, maybe a fiver. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so so she takes off. Which when I was watching this, that really I don't know why. Like out of all the scenes in the movies, that one. Or of the movie, that one kind of affected me. Um, I just felt really bad for her, and I mean, because I guess she felt she was starting to feel yeah like she belonged there. Yeah, and it was just like a gut punch.
0: Yeah, it it really, but it, it seemed to me too like a moment where um, it, it's it's good writing, but it's also like frustrating. Like, cause she's this young sort of teenage girl. She makes a, Mm -hmm. she makes a teenage decision to run away in this moment when she's very upset because this happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. and you know, like you're thinking logically like, but she could just go talk to Logan or something like that. That's what you would expect or hope she would do. But no, (laughs) she runs away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I kind of thought that it's funny. I didn't think it this time, but Mm -hmm. When I was younger and I was watching it, that was my thought process. I was like, why are you doing this? Yeah. (laughs) This is so, this seems dumb. Yeah. But, but it's, it's funny. There's sort of that flip flop because, you know, in retrospect, like, You know, like you said, a a teenager probably would react that way. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And and not not think of not think things through. God, Mm. I know I did a few times. More (laughs) right? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) That's all your teen years are for—is making stupid decisions. Yeah.
1: I think the warrants in certain states may expire. (laughs) Maybe they. Let's hope so. Right. (laughs) But uh, so so Wolverine finds out that she leaves, and he takes that pretty seriously. Um, and, uh, we have this, this situation where things are starting to break up a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, Wolverine wants to take off and go after her. Of course. Uh, the rest of the team, you know, they, uh, Xavier wants them to stay and, and kind of sort this out as a group. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine's not about that life. No, um, no. He's a ride or die. He doesn't
0: sit to think. He's like, yes. let's do this.
1: Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, he actually jacks Cyclops's bike right <laughs> um, before uh, uh, before I think that decision is made. Which let, let's touch on that briefly. Uh, how do you feel about the dynamic between Cyclops and Wolverine? I, I in mean, this picture.
0: I, I like it. Uh, it's it's definitely like a carryover from. Uh, the 70s comics and from the way that they did the 90s cartoon, like, the mm-hmm. the enmity between, between them and but also, like, a playful sort of, like, I'm after your girl but, Oh, yeah. Um, I he, Cyclops is like, yeah, but you're not gonna get her so what's the problem? <laughs> yeah, like, But
1: also stay away from my but girl. But
0: also stay away from my girl, yeah. So I like the playfulness, I like that and I do like that they, you know, like, even though, uh, it, it's, it's that, uh, macho guy thing of like, they talk shit to each other, but they have each other's back that, uh, right. it's enjoyable to watch. I think
1: not yeah, enjoyable to, would... ex- to like deal with in real life, but it's enjoyable no. to watch. No, it's funny though, because I probably a couple of months before that I read, um, giant size X-Men number one. Uh huh. And uh so Wolverine becomes part of the team by the way, I fucking love Wolverine. In, yeah. In <laughs> He's great. Comics. Yeah. Um but one of the things that sort of threw me was that after he meets Gene, like it is immediate. Uh like there's no there's no development of those feelings. Right. He's just like, Wow, that redhead, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Ah I mean I get zang. it. <laughs> I get it.
1: She uh she's Gene Grey. She's
0: attractive. she's like uh She's she's probably always putting off a sort of aura uh, because, like, I would say any t- of the um, Psy characters, like e- Professor X or the White Queen or Psylocke or her, they're always mm-hmm. putting off some sort of aura. And because Gene is this, like, uh, perfectly sort of composed person, which is why, you know, the Dark Phoenix is able to uh, really drag out the the deepest darkestness out of her because mm-hmm. on, on the surface she's always composed she probably puts off an aura that sets people at ease and he does not get that in his life like he is never at ease so to That's to be around a really good her idea. yeah so like to be around her for him is probably the only time he's able to relax That's which makes intense. him love her yeah
1: I I don't think I have ever even remotely considered that as a possibility well, but that is intense and it adds a really <laughs> Interesting notion to the whole idea that this thing that Wolverine thinks that he feels right. so strongly about exactly. is not necessarily based on yeah something. Le- I mean, it's legitimate. Yeah, it's but a it's, it's as not legit as
0: any love is. Yeah, where love right. is a feeling uh, as much as it can be. You know, any other thing, it's a feeling, and uh, for him, this is this is the association of of love that he has. I mean, it could go back to. I haven't read enough of the like more recent comics where they've gone into his history and stuff, but I'm sure there's, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's something there. Maybe some connection with his mom. Maybe she was redheaded or something. <laughs> like you never know yeah. what the the full story is, but that, that seems to me kind of what goes on with him and her, like that immediate attraction.
1: I like it. It's going in the old head cannon. Cool. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's where it's going to stay. Sweet. Um, <laughs> So uh, Mystique, also she did while she was at the school, she did sabotage Cerebro with right. some sort of weird. It looked goo like that,
0: Austin Powers' mojo. I'm pretty sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which again. I guess is bad for your your brain powers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so that's that's kind of the situation here. Uh, the Brotherhood is acting preemptively mm-hmm, to stop um, to, them. Yeah. Exactly. Which again, just pulling back and seeing this dynamic between. Xavier and Magneto. Right. It's so cool because like at this point, Magneto is not going to hurt any of them. No. Um, he has no plan to, to use violence. against. No, he Xavier. just wants to slow him
0: down. Like he could kill, uh, Xavier if he wanted to. And Xavier knows that like that. There's right. kind of uh there's always that to them. And that's why Magneto well, wears his helmet? Because he knows his one weakness really is his friend, Charles Xavier. And that's his like blind spot as well. Like he refuses to just kill Charles Xavier because they're friends. And th- that exactly the deepness of that friendship is what you know constantly keeps um, Eric evolving and why sometimes he's an X Men. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I yeah.
1: love, love, love those characters. Yeah. Me too. Um, so Wolverine is out to rescue Rogue. Yeah. And uh, that takes them to the train station Uh uh, where Rogue is attempting to... uh, I don't remember where it's going. doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Wolverine talks her into staying, which I thought was a really sweet moment. Um, Mm. And in the meantime, we're being set up for an ambush. We kind of get glimpses of Toad uh, in in the train station. Uh, Cyclops is is on point. Uh I think we see Toad creep up the wall behind him. Um, which I think that they could have used Toad just a little bit more, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, or maybe he's in it just enough. maybe That, just, that might also yeah, be the case. Toad is an annoying character, but that's kind of like yeah. what
0: he's supposed to be. But the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, they may have used him, but they didn't give him a ton of his personality in this. Like when he's on screen, you get that he's a little annoying, but he doesn't make a lot of jokes or anything.
1: Right. I think yeah. that's probably what i was getting at yeah is like there wasn't really any depth to his character right. he was there yeah um but but i mean you could say the same thing about saber right also. yeah there's um,
0: a, a, yeah that's that's where tyler main as saber kind of fails for me is because uh saber has a ton of personality in the comics uh it's a yeah. vicious and evil personality but it's also a personality and in here, he's,
1: it's, he's exceptionally sharp. Yes, he's uh, he's actually sharp as a, a whip. Yes, or some whatever. He's the very sharp. Is. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> he he's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, conniving, I think, would be a yeah, good. that would way be a good to way to describe Sabretooth. Tooth. Um, so we've got this setup here, uh, which and there's a scene that uh, is not my favorite scene, as as I mentioned. Um, but it is a very lovely scene i think and in the midst of the sort of mounting tension and chaos there's this moment where there's this little boy in the train station Uh, and uh, he looks up at cyclops and smiles and cyclops Uh smiles at him yeah and it was like this really awesome moment where you saw You know, two human beings connecting, and then the mom's like, oh, get away from him. And it's like, you you fucked this up. But
0: it also, it sets up, like, you know, just that that general hope for the future. Like, you know, maybe these kids growing up knowing mutants will be more likely to accept mutants. Uh, Which is, I mean, has proven true and proven untrue (laughs) over time. Like... Uh, as as far as like integrating schools and things like that, uh, it it's mm-hmm. helped people to develop more of a, an understanding of people of other races. But we also still have tons of racism, so it didn't fix it, but it helped. For sure, yeah. We
1: yeah. we like to take several steps back. Yeah, like we, if we uh, take
0: one forward, we're, we're like, all right, depends. let's take like sixty back, and then we'll take another one forward later.
1: We gotta gotta compensate for thinking. <laughs> um, this, this, this really just comes down to the fucking old people. It Jesus does. Christ. Yeah, it does. Uh, did, did you ever watch? Uh, I think it was uh, the decline. Uh, was it the decline of Western civilization? It was a documentary on um, on the punk scene. Oh no, and, I haven't seen um, that. Yeah, it was in, in the '80s. It was really cool, like uh, like fucking Black Flag. Uh huh. Um, awesome. Was that's the one that really sticks out in my mind the most. Um, I don't remember if Bad Brains was featured or not. Um, Pat Pap Smear was uh-huh. uh, was on it, and he wasn't anybody at that point. was awesome. Just some dude. Um, uh, but the reason I mention that is because there's this kid that's on there. And they ask him a question about, like, you know, what are, what are his thoughts about uh, the world in which he lives or the city that he lives in? And, he just, and his answer is just, just, you wake up, man, and all the old people and the buses, and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was like, man, this kid gets it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all the old people and buses. Fuck. That's
1: how I feel. Yeah. I mean, I live in Florida, for God's sakes. Oh, so. yeah.
0: you're You're full of old people.
1: It's, uh... But they're like all the old people that you don't want around you, right? Like it's the old people wrong.
0: who retired to Florida, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. Stop moving to Florida. <laughs> I should have taken the Melvin's advice. Um, but yeah, so it's the the type of uh, the type of old people that that do that sort of thinking that we're talking about here. Yeah. Speaking of, um, Senator Kelly is one of those, and he has yeah. found himself at the X Mansion. Uh huh. Why? Because he's a mutant and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah.
0: He knows he can't go to humans because he knows how they will treat him, which that's an interesting thing. Like whenever you, um, you see you hear like obvious racists saying like, well, the racism doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and then, you know, you could easily just ask them, okay, well, would you want to be a black person? Of course they wouldn't. (laughs) You know why they know how they treat themselves. (laughs)
1: yeah, yeah. And it's uh it's very telling I think if you if you were to yeah. ask someone that or, or put them in that position yeah I mean, you're not wrong yeah um but he he even says that um I think it's storm says uh you know why did you come here I couldn't go to the hospital because I was afraid they would and I think Xavier says treat you like a mutant it's like mm-hmm. yeah. that's exactly it man. that's
0: exactly it yeah
1: in, in in this moment, he just like straight up liquefies, and this uh-huh. is and it's an integral piece of the story because we see that Magneto's plan isn't yeah it's not going to work the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably going to murder everyone, <laughs> which is not going to make them like mutants any more than they already do. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> So there's, I guess, while this is going on, there is that attack at the train station. Um, yeah. Sabretooth and Toad sort of come full, come out into the forefront. Yeah. And attack, uh, attack, uh, Cyclops and Storm. Yeah. And I think Jean is there too. I can't. She's I can't uh, she right and
0: off Xavier mind. show up in a car. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Because she tries to use Cerebro also, and that's how she finds finds out where Rogue is. Right. Because the uh, the sabotage Cerebro. Disables the professor. She uses it. Yeah, and uh, finds their location. Mm. Okay, cool. Back on point. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so they all suit up, and uh, and Xavier says, "Let's settle this," which was just so badass. Yeah, I think. awesome. Um, they uh, they are taken once once they uh, Magneto shows up and and basically steals Rogue from Wolverine, which I thought. I don't, where was your head at when you watched this scene?
0: Um, I thought they were gonna uh, they were gonna do the ripping out the adamantium. I I oh, yeah. I immediately was like, how are they gonna do that in the first movie? I remember seeing it mm-hmm. in uh, whenever it came out, thinking that, and even again watching it, I was like, wait, did they rip out his adamantium in the first movie? Like, it just seemed like that exact moment. But yep, I thought so too. Nope it uh, it just seems that this Magneto and this whatever this universe is called the. X Men, uh, cinematic universe, whatever they call it, it right. uh, it definitely like it seems that Magneto's ability to manipulate metals and and to control Wolverine is just obvious and overt. Like whereas in the comics, he had to be in a, a complete rage that Wolverine tried to kill him to. Right actually be able to exert enough magnetic force on adamantium to be able to control him and then rip it out. So in this, he's, and, he's even yeah. more powerful in this, I guess, than he is in the comic.
1: It, they, it was a nod to that, I yeah. think. Um, but on that point, I think that it, that was the line that was crossed for Magneto when yeah. Wolverine actually tried to kill him. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that God fatal attractions, man. I miss those so much. Uh-huh. I've got that one still. I don't know where the other ones are, but yeah, <laughs> um, So they uh, they take Rogue back to this machine that Magneto has created. Uh, Who built it? I don't know. Right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, we never (laughs) get that. I mean, I guess I. I mean,
0: Mystique maybe, but I uh, yeah. Like in the comics, I don't think that's her thing. Maybe in the movies, they do like show her operating a lot of things in the in the movie, like her she she uh apparently can fly a helicopter along with toad right <laughs> like they see we see her manipulating a lot of things so I guess maybe but the, again where there's there's no there's no like discussion about where all this yeah. stuff comes from
1: <laughs> I mean I'm not really bothered by it no I'll, I'll it's yeah he's he's evil um, <laughs> he's got evil machines he's got an evil lair Duh. Yeah. exactly um and that that kind of takes me back to the point of you know watching movies critically now. Um, where some, there are things like that in some films that really stick in my craw. And yeah. like, I can't get my head around this. Yes. Um, but you know, I think this was a pretty good stab for one of the mm-hmm. first yeah. comic books. Well, I, I say that, but I'm forgetting about Roger Corman's, um, right. interesting project. <laughs> Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh. oh gosh. And then, you know, Spider-Man had been in film and uh-huh. of course, uh, Thor and the Hulk. Um, Yeah which I and Daredevil actually now that I think about it. Oh god. But um that, but, you that know, those, Daredevil movie. Woof. <laughs> they they just they don't count no, because Daredevil. this was like the first the first serious attempt yeah. I think that was made in earnest to uh to bring a comic book movie or a comic book to life, so. Right. Um hats off to them for that. I'll I'll let them have their machine.
0: Yeah, I mean um, like even in the context of say DC's like Superman or Batman, like Superman had been very um uh, very much like the Superman TV show of the 50s almost like where it was just mm-hmm. over the top like he was ultra good and there was like just a different villain each time and whatever. Uh and then the Batman movies were genuinely good but they're very much Tim Burton movies more than Oh yeah, comic book movies. This uh, as I said earlier does such a good job of uh using like these shots that sometimes look like comic book panels and using light and color really well like you would see in a comic book. I mm-hmm. I think it does a great job of being a comic book adaptation and not just an adaptation of a story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm 100% with you on that. Um so we this is kind of our end game. Um Yeah. The brotherhood is kidnapped, mm-hmm. Rogue, she's in the machine, they magneto plans to transfer his power to her yeah so that it won't kill him and uh which i thought was interesting that uh he didn't try to sugarcoat that at all when no Rogue said are you gonna kill me he was like yeah yeah
0: yeah you're being sacrificed <laughs> um, for uh a greater good again like he he's he's not he's not seeing the ways in which he's evil like where he, right. he's willing to give up a mutant life and force uh mutation on these other people and and he sees this as an ultimate good in the end like Mm -hmm. he just he can't he can't see past his biases
1: for sure and wolverine actually made i thought a pretty valid point when they were uh waylaid um briefly before the climax yeah Uh, he says you know if you were really so righteous it would be you in that exactly
0: yeah because he'd uh, be willing to give up his life to help If he really
1: believed in the plan, if he
0: really believed it's helping, he'd be willing to give up his life. But he he hesitates and is allowing someone else or forcing someone else to do it. Right.
1: And I don't know if that was an intentional nod to some of his character traits in the comic. Mm. um, Because I'm always looking for reasons why Magneto is a bad guy. Right. Because I can only find so many more reasons as to why he's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, True. <laughs> and I think that that is. I think that just what I've read, it's it's his vanity. I think that uh-huh. leads him down villain. He thinks paths. he
0: has to be the one at the head of of this uh, movement to get mutants their uh, freedoms and their their own. Uh, civilization basically exactly uh, he yeah and he has to be the head whereas uh yeah with xavier what he's constantly trying to do is create more leaders like he's always working with gene always working with uh cyclops storm always trying to get each one of these people to take on these leadership roles and to to uh mm-hmm. mentor young mutants so yeah yeah xavier's willing to give up the spotlight
1: and Magneto's not uh, that that is very apt, I think. Um, in it's in this scene also in the preceding scene that I found, or rather, I believed we had our our Whedon lines, mm-hmm. and that is after the fight with mm-hmm. Mystique as Wolverine right. versus Wolverine, uh-huh. and and they get separated, and he comes back, and Cyclops is about to blast him. And he says, you know, how? To, hey, it's me. Prove it. You're a dick. You're a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. Um. And then in the, uh, you know, while they're tied up and, and captured all of them in uh, the Statue of Liberty, um, which was incredibly symbolic to me. I thought that, that was yes. pretty well played. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Magneto says, I first saw her in 1949, uh, which would have been five years later. Yeah. So he would have been a, a very young man. Um, yeah. Coming, And he said, you know, the list was supposed to be the land of peace and hope. And you're just kind of like, wow. <laughs> yeah. get even more insight into how he feels about yeah. this country now um, but in that scene uh, they're all tied up he uses his magnetism to uh, to bend a few beams to suspend them to the wall and uh-huh. Cyclops says storm fry him," <laughs> and then Magneto of course says a huge bolt of lightning into a copper conductor yeah. I thought you went to school yeah <laughs> I saw you lived in a school like yeah like, come on Cyclops you can't uh, be that I dumb. love it I love it now again I could be totally wrong but I, I would put a five spot on that being uh, some of Weed yeah style. that does
0: seem very weedeny. Yeah,
1: um, but uh, you get this huge sort of um, epic showdown at the end I I didn't feel particularly moved by the fights. I thought they looked cool. Yeah, they look cool, um,
0: but uh yeah, they're they're not amazing. The choreography's not too amazing. I did like the Wolverine on Wolverine fight. That was cool. Yeah. And it still it still looked good whoever they got to be the the uh, second, the body double uh really did pull it off. Looked very much like Hugh Jackman, so it it, it was cool, but yeah, as you said like we've seen a lot better fights in comic <laughs> yeah. books now. like it's, it's been 21 years. We've seen some much yeah. better, more uh, well choreographed with some people who did a lot of training. Whereas I, I think probably in this... I mean, again, as I said, Hugh Jackman is not mm-hmm. as big in this as he is in future movies. Like I, I think these are just actors coming in, doing their normal like, okay, you'll run through a few uh, of the steps so we can see your face, but mostly we'll have stunt people do it, but... Also, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time choreographing fights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and that's how I felt when I was watching it. I actually looked. I was watching the screen. I sort of did a quick sort of head check, and I was like, "Do I feel? Um, do I feel a sense of, of tension or, or right. suspense? No, no, okay. not really. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so, uh, so of course they're able to." Uh, to stop the machine before it kills Rogue and before it affects yeah. everyone gathered at the summit. Now, this is what I thought was interesting at that point. Um, Cyclops is aiming, trying to hit the machine and not hit Rogue while, uh-huh. while the villains have been subdued. And he says, I got a shot. I'm taking it. I kind of got this feeling like that was his moment right? where everything came together for him and he felt so confident. And that made me think, did, did we miss, like, is there a, ch- a chunk of this movie that's missing? That was more about Cyclops, Cyclops having trouble
0: himself? aiming. Yeah. And then like that, w- that would make this uh moment where Toad takes his visor and he, he knocks down the ceiling of the, that train station that would make that more significant. That seems like it probably was. There probably was a bit more backstory for, each of the characters uh written in and they yeah i imagine they just had to scrap a lot because of budgetary yeah. issues sure
1: yeah um, i mean storm for example we don't know anything yeah, about nothing her. about her
0: we like, see her uh, at all. like just a couple times sort of use her powers she, but it's never like the big storm stuff that you'll see later but Holly Berry is, I mean, she's awesome in Storm for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad she stuck around. Yeah. She, uh, I, it was great seeing lot. her in Days of Future Past with the, the like mohawk sort of hair.
1: That was oh, cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. I hope, I hope that we get some more of that if and when they're introduced yeah. into the MCU. Um, so that, that's basically the movie. They, they beat the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mystique is presumed dead, but she's actually mimicking a guard. Right. Uh, and is taken to the hospital, and she later assumes the form of Senator Kelly and an ironic twist of fate. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> Sabretooth is presumed dead, Toad presumed dead. Right. Um, so we're left with Magneto, who's in this super cool plastic prison, uh-huh. which I love. That made me yeah, think I of E. T. like so much. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, but the end, what do you think about the end of this movie? yeah the
0: uh are we talking about the uh chess match or the wolverine stealing the bike again
1: <laughs> well sort of both i mean yeah. i will say Just that overall. I, they overall very much yeah. set up that sequel they like, do like, yeah Here, we're, we're gonna find out what's going on with you you need to go uncover these secrets exactly lake oh, like. and i'm like sweet mm-hmm. x2
0: yeah it, it does um, a great job of setting up a sequel and also uh yeah setting up that that sequel will have magneto as the villain i think that's what the chess yeah. match is really about it's about like saying like okay this will continue this is a continuous game they play we'll see it mm-hmm. again and we do in part two and we get to see more of that cool prison and how he escapes and all that stuff like yes they did a great job of transitioning from this first movie 2X2 which i think is i agree uh, is the best of those first 3 movies is X2 Oh absolutely
1: yeah. absolutely i i agree with that all night and day mm-hmm. um yeah the chess match i thought was so cool because it's chess and it's like, oh, yeah, they're, you know, strategizing against one another. That's right. kind of on the nose. But it's not. To no, me, actually. I thought it's it was not. Pretty beautiful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, that's, that's just an assumption that everybody understands chess. Like, you know, when you do understand chess, it seems like that's a, a real simple thing. But not everybody gets it. So it just looks like people playing a board game. <laughs> it would be like yeah, them playing it's... Clue.
1: Like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I just, and that was just so powerful to me. Yeah. It's a um, great way that those two people communicate Mm -hmm. with each other, you know, because Magneto still, you know, he's he's like, what are you going to do, Charles, when they come for you and your children? And he means it because he knows they're going to. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, It's an inevitability.
0: uh, They're going to constantly be in this chess match against each other. They respect each other too much to just kill the other. It's just going to constantly
1: be playing out. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it? it is. It's great. <laughs> so what are your overall thoughts on, on this movie?
0: Uh, I think uh, looking at it from a perspective where we've had, you know, well over 50 major like MCU and, and other comic book movies come out since then, uh, it It seems a little quaint maybe and maybe Mm -hmm. an overly simplified story, but I think for the time and even for now, if you're someone who doesn't really know X-Men, this is a very accessible comic book adaptation that doesn't Mm -hmm. screw up the adaptation like so many other comic book movies early on did.
1: Uh, yeah, they and they really didn't change much yeah, exactly. in the way of who the characters are and what they do. Exactly.
0: By keeping, uh, staying true to the characters, which, uh, you know, Brian Singer, again, douchebag, mm-hmm. piece of shit, uh, but also loves comic books and wanted to bring that love and, and sort of adapt a, a comic book style to film and does a really good job of it. So for me, this, this is... Uh, this is a movie any comic book fan should watch, but it, it definitely led to much more faithful adaptations that that we've gotten since. That have Absolutely. made so many awesome uh, comic book movies.
1: Yeah, but well, we wouldn't we would not have them. I don't think no. if it weren't for the success of this film. No. Um, I, speaking of of this film, um, I I think I mentioned to you before. I could not get my hands on a hard copy of this. Like I tried <laughs> so hard. I, I owned it at one point. Yeah. God knows what happened to it. Uh, I ended up renting it on either. Yeah, I think it was YouTube. Mm. Um, but it was like three ninety nine, and I was like, well, I can buy the disc for five. So I might as well, might as well yeah. know, add it to the collection. Couldn't find it. Couldn't get it anywhere. I found it in stock at a target that's close by. <laughs> and, uh, so I went there and it was nowhere to be found. Oh, they were doing man. some sort of reset and the guy that I, I was like, you know, um, did the k- typical guy thing where like, I didn't want to ask anybody, right? but I couldn't find it. But I was like, excuse me, sir, can you help me? And he was like, oh man, that's a great movie. I was like, yeah, it really is. He's like, uh, I love the X-Men. Uh, my, my parents actually named me after Wolverine and I looked at his, uh, name tag and it said, Loki. Holy shit. He was like, so I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much born to, what if to you like looked X-Men. down and it said James Howlett, he'd be like, Damn
0: your parents yeah. really do love Wolverine. yeah deep cut yeah
1: um but i thought that was that was pretty cool and uh it's 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 funny to me when parents do that um yeah because i did it did you oh that's cool <laughs> yeah. one of my daughter's names is uh stark okay so that's dope is it yeah. sony uh-huh. is it from winterfell right it could be either one that's a great choice super nerdy um <laughs>
0: Yeah, dude, we're,
1: we are we we're nerds, man. And uh, what's funny though, when this movie came out, it it still wasn't quite cool yet. No, to it was really love comics, true, and to to want to watch this movie and yeah. be excited about it. I think um, I think
0: these movies and the Spider Man movies though really helped to make that work. Like, because it became that thing where the movies were making so much money that you had to start looking around and going like, okay, it's not just nerds going. And then, like, more and more people are getting into it, probably because they were introduced to the the animated series, like, early on, like, X-Men, Spider-Man. And so seeing these movies as part of their childhood, and they didn't know they were nerds, (laughs) like, because they didn't sit down and read comics or whatever, but now they're way into it.
1: And I say it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, me too. Really. I think it's great. Um, I'm glad it's not. Uh-huh. I mean, mostly because I can share things with other people yeah. now, and they don't think like, nerd. I, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of
0: <laughs> exclusivity. I'm not one of those people yeah. who's like, no, that's the thing only I can like.
1: Like, no, I want yeah. everybody to like it. It's great. The more people like it, the more people I get to talk to. Exactly. About because, you know, because I can't shut up. Yeah, um, Yeah. so so the X-Men is, is pretty fantastic. Um, I found myself just and my wife actually pointed this out she was like you're really into x-men now Hmm. and i was like am i (laughs) Uh, but then i started thinking it's like i started watching the series again yeah so then i was like oh man i found some issues of classic x-men so Uh i read those and i was like well i need to read more and if i'm really going to be a nerd i need to read the entire run in the 60s and so i read that over the last several months and then i was like shit everything is x-men um but that's cool. Yeah, it is. I'm, uh, I'm
0: I'm good with it. I'm excited to see what they do with them in the MCU. Like I, I really think they 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 have a lot of uh, interesting ways they can go about it. Uh, yeah. I hope, and, and I, so far I have not been upset with anything Marvel has done with the MCU. I've just enjoyed watching it play out. So real interest in yeah. seeing how they bring them in. Absolutely. And explain Don't the fact that nobody
1: talked about them before. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, gosh, so i I want to uh, I want to end this conversation by asking like the most nerdy question you could probably ask mm-hmm. about you know if you're having a conversation with someone about X Men. Yeah. First of all, who's your favorite character?
0: My favorite character that that is a tough one um, because as as a teenager, I would have definitely said Logan. Uh, mm-hmm. Major Wolverine fan growing up. Uh, I, was, I was huge into Wolverine and Batman. Like, those were my two, yeah. like, the brooding guys who could be assholes for some reason.
1: And then Amalgam just made your dreams. Y- come oh, true. God, no. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Uh,
0: what was his name? Nightclaw or something like that? Yeah, Dark Claw. Dark Claw. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as a teenager, it would have been Logan. But as an adult, like, I, I, yeah, I, th- I feel like I understand Magneto and Professor X a lot more as an adult, mm-hmm. and I feel more and more like, as you said, that I, it's hard to not agree with Magneto so much. Like, he, he has a lot of rage. I feel that. I get it. Uh, he, he's, he's had to deal with a whole lot of stuff, and and he has a yeah. different perspective that I think is, you know, like, he's right a lot of the time. But as you said, like it's his, it's his ego that gets in the way, and because mm-hmm. of that, like he's this perfect, villain hero hybrid. Because like sometimes mm-hmm. he is the hero, and like say like in the Age of Apocalypse, uh, because of Xavier's death in the '60s, he is the one who ends up starting the X Men. Like, right? We've seen so many times the way Magneto plays out that he can be a good guy. So. He's, he's the most interesting to me, so always... And, and I, I really love uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, who is sometimes mutant, sometimes not mutant. <laughs> like, it depends yeah, on... Right. I think now she's not, because the MCU has her, but I don't know if they're going to retcon that again now that they have the
1: mutants. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, you know, t- just to touch on Magneto again, I don't know if you heard this. Um. It was floating around Twitter, but it was like... Because I have to fit okay, boomer in here somewhere. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Chris Claremont had been quoted, or tweeted, or the quote was being tweeted and retweeted. He was saying that the X Men weren't relevant anymore. Right. um, That they they had no place in today's society. No. And I was just like, dude, dude, dude. That's ridiculous. You you you're the guy who gave us the Dark Phoenix saga. You gave us Days of Future Past, so you're clearly competent and intelligent. Yeah, and you get the X Men. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I
0: I can tell you, watching this, like uh, last night, I especially because uh, we just had Super Tuesday and all all this. Like, Mm -hmm. I could see how one could look at Professor X and Magneto as like the moderate uh, wing of uh, the Democrats and the more progressive wing. Of like uh-huh. you know uh you know Magneto's this in your face I'm gonna blow up everything sort of Bernie type of character and then you got Professor X who's this more like let's stay the course let's you know not ruffle too many feathers Joe Biden type uh, right and I and like uh, yeah I, one of the reason I'm saying that is obviously Chris Chris Claremont doesn't know what he's talking about it, you can turn the X Men into any number of metaphors like they right. can be an allegory
1: for all sorts of things they could still be very relevant. Exactly. There was an issue of, and if you haven't picked this up, um, actually, now I think about it, if you haven't read X-Men in a while, uh, now's a really fucking good time Yeah. Um, to get on board. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read Hickman. stuff in a while. So oh, is dude.
0: Because uh, I, I know there for a while, the X-Men comics yeah, were kind of... this is what... not yeah, great. they weren't...
1: That's true. Um, I started picking them up again, and this was again kind of played into that whole X Men thing. But I started picking them up again when they relaunched with a giant size, uh, uncanny X Men number one. Uh-huh. But what that was doing was setting the stage for Hickman's run, which was House of House of X and Powers of X. Okay, and dude, it it turns everything okay on its head, and the second issue of. Uh, House of X is one of the best X-Men comics I've ever read in my life. They take a character and retcon her in a smooth way. That's also logical, but will blow your fucking mind. Awesome. Um, so I would definitely pick that up. Yeah, Um, I definitely will. But, uh, the reason I mentioned that is because there was a a small series called X-Men black that was, uh, published after uncanny ended, but before house of X powers of X and, uh, it deals with uh, Magneto. He's in a cafe out uh, in the Midwest, and he's talking to a little girl. Long story short, he he's inspired by this little girl, and this little girl is inspired by him. But they're watching the news, and they're talking about the the detention of immigrants, uh-huh. in seven, well, yeah, apart from their families. And so I'm just like, okay, Claremont, yeah, like, what?
0: <laughs> How are those not related? How are these things different?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I just, and, you know, I kind of, I just got so angry uh, when I was reading that, mm-hmm. and then I saw that same anger being reflected in Magneto, and I was like, that's what we need. Yeah. And I was like, please, God, can we just have a Magneto come and fucking... Yeah, <laughs> just for a little set bit, just,
0: just set shit straight, and then we can all deal with it after. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I
0: love it. Um, uh, I, I really do think the X-Men, like, especially, because, uh, you know, Looking, as this movie deals with the Mutant Registration Act, and they've already done the Marvel Civil War with the idea of the Superhero Registration Act, right. the Mutant Registration Act has an emotional component to it, whereas the Superhero Registration Act is uh, more of a philosophical debate about, right. you know, uh, whether or not people should have all of this power at their disposal, which is a, mm. a, a more modern, updated, like, dealing with, uh, you know... Uh, a uh, wealth inequality and possession of guns and things like that. Like they're they're dealing with all these more modern issues, but that's very much through a lens of like Marvel taking the Mutant Registration Act and try to make it a part of the whole MCU. Right. Yeah. So uh, X mens still very
1: relevant and will continue okay, to be relevant. Yeah. yeah. So Chris, okay, Boomer Claremont, <laughs> um, good good show. Second question. Yeah. If you could have. Any mutant
0: power, oh, yeah. what would it be? Okay, so there are two two people that I always think of, uh, and it's not because their powers are the most amazing, but it's because I always, when I read them in comics, I'm always disappointed by the fact that they don't use them right, and it's Iceman and Gambit. Iceman uh-huh. has, uh, like... It's seemingly infinite capacity to control, um, cold to, to take away energy essentially from a thing, uh, to the point where if he, if he would exploit all of his powers, he could potentially, uh, bring a, a particular area to absolute zero, which would slow time. Like he, his powers are so broad and amazing but right. and they've been they've been expanding them more recently and he he's been getting more of a like boost and I, I think like they had uh Emma Frost like help him develop his powers or
1: something but yeah that was that was in the 90s right yeah
0: that was cool um but again he's always just like an underachiever it seems to me same with gambit he yeah. he can control uh, the potential energy within things. So like if he if he would really tap into it, and again they've they've gone into this in some of the storylines in nineties two thousands, where if he could really tap into it, he he could turn the world into a bomb. Like he could explode everything. (laughs) He's he's got so much power, but he again he's just kind of not as dedicated to learning to use his powers as you want him to be. So, like, I guess the, the reason I always think about those two is because I'm so frustrated with them. I'm like, just put some effort into it. It's like reading Harry <laughs> right. Potter. It's like, Harry, if you oh, would yeah. just try, you could be amazing. But no, you don't.
1: Yeah, yeah. that was the conclusion that I got um, from, from reading Harry Potter. I finally read all of them yeah. a couple years ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, so basically... Your friends are awesome, and you are a massive fucking tool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like yes. Yeah. So basically, you, <laughs> okay. you've got a super
0: <laughs> dedicated friend who's kind of dumb, but he'll always be there for you. And then, like, the right. smartest, most dedicated person in the world who makes sure that every one of your plans work. And then there's you, <laughs> who just falls into success. <laughs> yeah.
1: Harry. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that kid. Yeah. I would uh, I would pick cipher. That would be yeah, that's I cool. Think if I had to yeah. pick one, I think it would be cipher. I, I want to go with Logan, right? Um, because
0: I I can see like honestly, as as a human uh, just experiencing aging, the idea yeah. of a healing factor
1: would be amazing. It's pretty yeah, yeah. it's pretty high on the list. Yeah. But I would just because I'm so enamored by communication yeah. and language. Uh, and and what it all means it is outside of just the written word uh-huh. i mean because if you say language i'm sure a lot of people just think about speaking text, yeah yeah or speaking yeah. but it is so much deeper yeah language is, um, <laughs> language is a lot yes so yeah it, to have his power i think could easily make you not that i would seek this out but i think it could easily make you one of if not the most empowered the powerful yeah. most powerful people in the world for sure but yeah so that's that's mine that's cool but, uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got, I think, for X-Men, Awesome, Steve. man. Um, I'm glad that we did this because I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it was cool. And, of course, um, I'm super glad that uh, that you were a guest on the Sleeping Giant podcast. Yeah, it was fun, man. And I guess the cherry on top of that, of course, is taking your guest cherry. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's uh, true. This is the first time <laughs> I've guested on a podcast. So, And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I would very much like to have more guests... Uh, recorded more frequency yeah. and uh i really had a good time so you're obviously welcome back sweet i will come back i'd love to have you i have an inkling uh or sneaking suspicion that uh the listeners of the show are really going to enjoy this one as well. well i hope so
0: and if you if you uh, uh enjoyed hearing my voice you can hear it uh, even more on dead and lovely horror movie podcast we tend to go yes. about uh two hours if you like long podcasts we're a long podcast.
1: And I do. Yeah. I do. I am a fan too. Where can they find you?
0: Um, we're at Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh you could also find us on YouTube, uh forward slash dead and lovely. We're we're on every podcast outlet, I'm pretty sure. Uh SoundCloud, uh Spotify wherever itunes all those things
1: yeah you gotta yeah. upload that spotify track man you do just all, all kinds of people waiting to to blow you up uh-huh um, <laughs> um go ahead your patreon page oh you yeah, guys yeah. Have uh, a unique tier system we
0: do the patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely um early on in our run as a podcast we covered a number of Dario Argento films in which uh, each episode we determined that Dario Argento is an alien um and so <laughs> we oftentimes do some pretty interesting italian accents so if you want to decide what movies we cover on dead and lovely horror movie podcast go on over there and join the make a pizza tier uh and you get to submit a movie every month we randomly draw one and cover them, and then we also just cover some of them for fun
1: yeah. yeah and i've i've observed that uh people are are getting behind the idea of strength and numbers yeah it's so cool there <laughs> yeah if if there are a couple of votes and i think i did that one time yeah. when i saw that there was probably no chance that mine was going to make it and i was like hey yeah <laughs> i'll go ahead and put my hat in for this one yeah so a lot of, there's a huge
0: swell play. for trimmers too don't know why <laughs>
1: It's a fun. It movie. is. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's not nearly as good as the first one. Nah. I don't think. But um, well, all right, Steve. I think. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it Sweet, up. Sweet man. Um, once again, thank you so much for for the conversation. I had a blast.
0: Yeah, no problem, man. It was a it was a real fun time. I enjoyed myself. Uh, great
1: podcast you got going on. I listened to a couple episodes Thanks, leading man. up to this. So uh, keep it up. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right, Steve, well, you have yourself a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, you too. Oh, damn, that is a wrap, y'all. Many, many thanks to Hollywood Steve Spratling for enhancing my life with such a fun conversation. Hopefully, that will not be his last appearance on the sleeping giant podcast steve has got a very special project that he's been working quite hard on and uh, he will be revealing that pretty soon i think in the meantime y'all be sure to check out the dead and lovely horror movie podcast with hollywood steve spratling and uncle ben eller those cats are extremely cool they know what they're talking about and they are funny as hell so uh, they have an awesome show, and uh, it's it's pretty killer, so so you guys and guys check them out for sure. Don't forget to check out my Star Wars specials that I've been releasing as the Episode 3 conversation with Ben Abusada drops on the 23rd of this month. I have been pretty consistently pleased with those shows, and, and I hope that you have, too. I still need guests for the sequel trilogy, so if you're interested... Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram. Again, that's that one's pretty simple. Facebook.com/slash the Sleeping Giant Podcast or at the Sleeping Giant Podcast on Instagram. Alright, y'all. Once more, I've been your host, Grayson Parker Marcotte. Thank you for listening to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. Until next time, y'all.